this is where I get a little bit nervous right here. This is probably the part I've got to spend the least amount of time on. I've, I pretty much uh, thought I had my sermon Monday and Tuesday, and Thursday the Lord kind of downloaded all of this, and I got it all written down, but I never really you know, had a chance to sit down and analyze it and everything. And, um, you know, yesterday, me and uh, Tanya and I, we went to see Third Day in Tekoa Falls, which was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, we got home late. And I'm like, well, I'll just get up nice and early and, you know, work on my sermon. And <laughs> sure enough, that's the day Jameson decides to get up a little bit early, too. And I'm like, oh, so I was just going to see what he did, and I was going to keep studying. And he comes in there, and... He grabs this little thing that we get, and he says, Dad, did you forget? I said, no, I didn't forget, buddy. Come on. And so here we are. We're reading the, the Action Bible, and amazingly enough, the next story we were on is the story I was reading today. And I'm like, Lord, that is too cool. And, you know, not that I'm any better prepared now, but it's just confirmation, man, that, you know, he is on my life. He is working in all this, you know, working in all this. And, you know, Pastor Appreciation, guys, I know, you know, the month is over, but y'all have been far and above beyond good to me. And I really do appreciate all the gifts, all the stuff. You know, I showed the picture up here of the, the gift cards and the cards, but... You know, we've already destroyed all the baskets you've given me and all the bags you've you've brought me, and it's um, it's been just amazing. I do want to say thank y'all, and uh, even I, I almost I try I almost worked in my cowbell. You know, the Hershes brought me over and they got me a cowbell, and it says, you know, the bell's name is Fever. So you know, I could have said I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. All right, so the two of you that get that, you'll laugh about it later. Um, so, um, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, way to go, Mr. I exalt thee, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I am going to try to be just more of a, a, a calm teacher, but you know how I get. I'll probably uh, stand up and get a little crazy here in a little bit. But before I do, let's let's pray. Father God... I do want to thank you for this church. It's unbelievable how good they've been to me and just how I've seen you work, Lord. This this has not been work for me. This is just me walking daily and do what it is that I do and you putting your hand of protection upon me and putting your hand of blessing upon me. And Lord, just bringing your word through me, it's amazing, Lord. I know I don't deserve it. You know, I know how disobedient I was in the early years. I know how I defied you, Lord. But I also know how I knelt before you and asked for forgiveness and told you, Lord, that I really would start living for you if you'd help me, Lord. And you have continued to be faithful. And it is such an amazing thing, Lord. I know I stand here completely unworthy of your forgiveness to kneel at the foot of the cross and receive your forgiveness, Lord. To sit here know that I'm clean and I'm righteous, not because I'm righteous, but because you're righteous. Lord, and you've made me righteous. You've given me righteousness. There's no one like you, God. Thank you. And I know I'm about to 
just embark on this impossible task, Lord, of teaching people just how great you are. You'll have to open our ears. You'll have to open our eyes and our minds and our hearts so we can see, hear, know, and leave here loving you even more, Lord. You're amazing, and we exalt you, Lord. You're the name above all names, and that's why we gather here today. Lord, just fill this room with your presence, and may my words be your words, and your words, Lord, be my words. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, guys, I've called this sermon the altar of testing. And um, I've, you know, uh, testing, I mean, I, this is my 18th year of teaching. And, you know, I give tests. You know, I give math tests. I'm a math teacher. You know, that either makes people like, oh, cool, I like math, or they hated it. There's never any, like, in-between. You know, you either loved it or you couldn't stand it. You know, so that's what I do. I mean, we practice math, and I do my best to make sure kids, you know, know the material Right now, I'm working on uh, dividing decimals and multiplying decimals and adding them, subtracting them. And I try to keep it in the context of money. You know, I might write on the board Wednesday when we go back, 5 plus 0.25. And I'll walk around the room and, you know, some people get 5.25 and some people get 0.30. You know, because they won't line that decimal up. And one more time, I'll be like, man, if you don't see a decimal, there's a decimal at the end of that thing. Put it there and a couple of zeros. And, and that's just, I mean, that's, that's what I do. And I'll give them a test on that soon. And, you know, my grades work on percentages. You know, if I give a 10-problem test and they miss one, they're going to make a 90. You know, if I give them 20 and they miss one, they'll make a 95. It's all based on percentages, you know, but... God, when He gives a test, it's not like that. You don't get a percentage right or a percentage. You know, He don't He don't do that. You don't get a B, C, D, or you know, you, you either do it right or you don't. And He's more like at the career center. Um, I remember visiting the career center, and I loved talking to that tool and die guy. He's not there anymore, but. You know, he gives them projects. You know, he'll put, you know, maybe some sort of outlet on the wall or something, and we're going to build covers for this thing. And they got to make them. And they either work or they don't. If you do it and you do it right, you got an A. Perfect. If it does not work, no matter how much work you put into it, you fail. Well, why? That's not fair. Why do I fail? Because if these went into production, you cost the company millions of dollars. You know, it either works or it doesn't. And that's how I kind of picture God's test, when He gives a test. And here are really the only top questions on His test. Do you love God more than anything else in this world? When you really start thinking about it, do you desire Him above everything else? Is he number one? Would you give up? Is there anything you wouldn't give up for the Lord? Is there anything? And we're going to talk about this in in two kind of contexts here. And of God's test. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. You've probably... uh, you know, heard that you can't serve God and money. You can't do both of those things, or God and stuff, or God and mammon. 
Um, and here's the context of these verses, uh, of that verse. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And you know, so even when I think about that, Lord, you know, I'm like, come on, I got, I got a retirement account here because one day I hope I don't have to work and I can draw a farm. And that's storing treasures up, you know, on earth. And, and I think about that kind of stuff. And of course, somebody could do something to steal that money. It could just be gone in just a second, you know. But, but even if it was, you know, I mean, would, would I be okay with that? Would I be okay if somebody, you, know, you just lost a ton of money. Does that devastate me? Or does that be like, I still got God. I still got His presence. I still know where I'm going at the end of this life. That's okay. It's okay. We're still going to be fine because God takes care of us. I mean, there are people that commit suicide when they lose their treasures here on earth. You know, I lost millions of dollars and they, they go kill themselves. I mean, that lets you know who they were serving and when their God let them down or it left them, it's just a devastating thing when people lose some of these treasures that they've stored, they've stored up on, on earth. And so Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And I, I love when people, um, you know, ask me, you know, like, you know, you really give, you know, 10% of your money to church? I'm like, yes, of course I do. And like, well, I just don't see how you can do that. I'm like, it's the only thing you can give to that's eternal. It's the only thing you can give your money to that will last forever. Anything else you store up for here is going to be temporary, and you don't know if you're going to get to enjoy it or not. It's the only thing you can give to that is eternal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hear preachers say all the time, you know, if you show me your checkbook, I'll, I, can show, I can tell you everything, you know, about your life. You know, what, where do you store your treasures? Do you give to God faithfully? And do you enjoy it? Are you glad to? Or is it, or do you just spend everything on you? Is it all about you and storing up wealth here? Next verse. The eye is the lamp of the body. And last week, I talked to you about Achan and what started his entire sin process. He says, when I saw that robe and I saw that silver and I saw that gold, I coveted them. In my heart, I just felt like I had to have them. I knew what God said. I knew He said I would bring trouble on this nation if I took them, but I used my eyes and I saw them and I coveted them and I took them. It's, it's what I did. And it cost 36 men their lives. It caused a defeat in a war they should have won. It caused trouble. And so they took him to the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, and they stoned him and they stoned his family. And, you know, I know people say that's not right, guys, but my children will follow me. I mean, my kid wanted to come up here and sing, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, but what if I'd stayed on my old life 
And I'd been in the bar, and he's up here singing something like, I'll get whiskey bit and hell bound, or something like that. But that's the difference. That's the difference in being on the path of the king and the path of the wicked prince. And I know I'm kind of going Pilgrim's Progress on you there, but, but that's the way we talk about it in our house. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Where do your eyes turn to? If they are turning to filth and turning to pornography, turning to trash, you know, whatever it is, your light's going to be dark. But if, you're, if your eyes turn to Him, turn to the King, turn to God, turn to the Bible, if you desire these things, you'll be healthy. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We have no idea just how dark our sin is and how devastating our sin is. Is We just don't know. We've lived in such a fallen world and it's gotten progressively and worse and progressively worse. I heard a, a guy say, I was listening to an old preaching message, and he talked about how his dad had um, was at the altar repenting. If, and, and he's like, well, you know, what, what were you repenting of, dad? And he was like, well, you know, I, I drank a Coca-Cola. You know, and he said, the Bible says you don't, you don't drink strong drink. And I felt conviction in my heart. And I'm going to stop that. To which we look at that and we laugh like a Coke. That's such not a big deal. But man, look at where this guy was. And to where he thought that sent an alarm off him and saying, God, I'm going to honor you with my body. I'm not going to put that in. And, and it's going to get worse. It gets worse and worse to where we don't even think about that. I've never thought about it till I heard that guy say it. And how far have we come? If every generation gets a little bit worse, how great is that darkness? And how dark will it get? Next verse. No one can serve two masters. The context of that is you can't keep your eyes on evil or the desires of this world, and you can't keep your eyes on God. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't. You cannot. It's impossible. You know, I know we try. I know I've tried. You can't serve both God and money or stuff or mammon, or whatever. Did I have that last verse on here? Therefore I tell you. It's Jesus. It's the words of Jesus. I tell you, don't worry about your life. How do we do that? Of course we worry about our lives. But Jesus says, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat, or you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food? It's more than food. And the body's more than clothes. It's more, it's not just about stuff. It's about Jesus and putting your tre you know, your your heart, putting your treasure where your heart is and making sure you, you look to him and that this Bible means everything to you and his spirit means everything to you and the cross means everything to you and the Lamb who was slain means everything to you. 
I know this is difficult to overcome, but that word serve is, comes from the Greek word douyuo, which means to be a slave to. So the context is, it's not just you serving it. It's that you can't help but serve it. You have to serve it. You just gravitate toward stuff and accumulating more and more. You're a slave to it. You can't have confidence in God and have confidence in your stuff. It's impossible. You can't do it. And this is very difficult to overcome. And at least for me it was. And at times, this still rears its ugly head to me, and, I, and it makes me choose. And I'm going to tell you just some things and a lot about this, just about me and you know how I've overcome this, how it still shows up every once in a while, just being honest with you. Because um, it's very hard to overcome. And so, you know, it starts, though, I thought about how when, you know, I went to the alternative school. And had I not gone to the alternative school, I probably really wouldn't have considered taking over, you know, being a pastor. Um, you know, because the hours kind of worked there for me to do this. It was a little easier. And then, you know, when that job fell through and they said they were going places, man, I got really, really worried. You know, and, and I kind of strayed away from this verse. Don't worry about your life. Of course, I was worrying about my life. And, but, but through all this, um, God brought me to a place because they said there was one job, one job opening. And I, I didn't, there was, it would have been impossible for me to do this job and that one job opening that was open. So here, here, here it is. Here's the great decision. Me and Tanya, you know, what do I do? Am I just going to work? Am I going to have to give up the church? You know, am I going to, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. And so we, we finally decided, and I decided in my heart, you know what? We're going to make this work. You know, I will take a job making half the money of my regular job, and I'll do this one. And, you know, I mean, I'm sitting there talking, you know, about twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000. I'm sitting there thinking of all the stuff I can cut. I'm like, you know what, God, you'll take care of me. And if this is the way you want us to live for a while, we'll do it. Bring it on. Bring on the poverty. I, mean, I was thinking of everything. And I'm like, let's, let's go for it. And as soon as, I'm telling you, I prayed, we put that in the hands of the Lord, and almost immediately after I did that, I got two more job offers, way more conducive for me to do both. He still provided me, but I think that was my altar of testing right there. Adam, are you willing to take a lot less money to serve me? Are you? And as I hate the fact that I had to think about it, I did. But I did resolve, God, you are better than anything that this world has to offer. I choose you. And that was just one time that he, he that mammon, that stuff just kind of reared its head. What do I do? Do I serve God or do I serve stuff? Clear choice now that I think about it, but very clouded choice while I'm going through it. And like right now, and I've told you about this one, but, you know, I've kind of got three jobs right now. Um, I am a school teacher. I am a half-time bus driver. And, of course, I am a preacher. And, and I've already told you, I hate how that job 
for my bus driving got started because I saw a few hundred dollar bills and I chased it. Never asked God, did exactly what Joshua did at the Battle of Ai, said, I got this, we got this, let's go. And it produced a real big defeat in my life really quick and I had to repent. Okay, I didn't do it right. I should have asked him. Now, he did provide. Another lady said, I would love to do the mornings if you'll do the afternoons. And I said, that's great, because afternoons actually gets me out of a lot of meetings and stuff like that, and I don't really want to go to anyway. So, you know, it's like God totally, now y'all better edit that out, because my principal listens to that. Lord, have mercy. All right, so editing software, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. But I hate the start of that, because, guys, I look toward... Not even a big amount of money. I saw just a few hundred dollar bills laying there, and I just, I mean, I just went for it. No asking God, no nothing. And But the Lord taught me through that. You ask me through the smallest of things. Adam, you can't serve me and you can't and serve money at the same time. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other, or you'll love that and you'll despise me and won't follow me and my ways. And I thought about, I called this one the giving test. Guys, I'll be straight up honest with you. It was a long time before I tithed and I gave money to the church. That was probably one of the last things to go. And I resolved, um, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Um, and I said, you know what, Lord? It's time for me to be faithful in my giving. And, you know, I actually just took it on the net, what I brought home, moved that decimal. It was like, you know, 220 bucks or something like that. And so every Sunday or every fourth Sunday or whenever the month, I wrote that check. And I even missed like a couple, and I figured that, I'd, you know, by the end of the year, I gave like $2,000, okay? And I went, and we we had been having these meetings at school and stuff that I really didn't want to go to. <laughs> See, I guess y'all, y'all really know that I don't like meetings. But, so I go, and I had had a bad attitude about it, and, you know, I was really starting to try to, to honor God, and I said, you know what, i got to start going to these meetings with a good attitude and just really honor the Lord because you can't go in there be, you know, being all sour and everything. And so uh, I did. Turned it around. We only had like a few months left in school. And at the end of those meetings, now we, 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 were, we thought we were just doing this on our own time and everything, and uh, the principal told me, he said, you know what? the state approved for us to be paid to come to these meetings. And here's all the hours and here's everything. Here's how it worked out. And it was almost to the dime the amount of money I had given over the last year. And I just sat there and I looked at it. And God's like, you think I need your money? You think I need your money. I'm like, I get it, Lord. He said, I don't want money to have you. Give to me and trust that I will take care of this, Adam. God, I got it. I'm sorry. Thank you for teaching me this lesson. It's been easy to give since then. How can I not give to the one who brought me out of the grave, of where I was headed, of the life that I was living, the sin that I was in? How can I not Give him money. It's so easy to do now. But at the time, it was hard. And I know I'm, I had to learn all of these things the hard way. 
And, and around the same time, I remember that I was a golfer. I mean, like, I played golf. That's just what I did. I don't know how many times I did Tanya to play golf. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how much I played and how much money I spent playing golf. And I, st- I, I, I knew that God wanted me, you know, to, to, to you know, just, just give it up. But some Sundays, I'd skip Sundays to play golf. And, um, man, I'm telling you, God... I, it was like one of those things that I wouldn't give up. And God, through just the way he works, like my swing, I mean, guys, I used to could shoot like three, four under par. I've shot a couple of 68, several rounds in the 69. And, I mean, I've, I've, I tore them up. But God, like, just totally just, like, messed my swing up. I mean, one day, I'm telling you, I went out there. I couldn't hit it from here to the, I mean, it was, it was just gone. And I mean, it, it was, it killed me and all that. But you know, through all of that, and through, you know, Tanya talking to me about what's important in my life and everything, I've, I said, you know what, I don't need this anymore. And I, and I canceled all that, guys, and my life got so much better. But that was something that I wasn't willing to give God. So He just took it away. He just take it away. And then there's one more on this one, and then we'll get to the next one. I might have to, I might have to two-part this thing, because the next one's <laughs> pretty long. So, um, <laughs> And then the next one is the ministry test. And this one kind of started, um, you know, and this, this has more to do with the stuff that I, that I do, because I started writing Wednesday morning devotionals, my WMDs, probably about six years ago. And I did it just for a small group of teachers. Uh, it was only like three or four of us. And this was, our school guys was falling apart. I mean, it was crazy. Um, our test scores were in the dumps. Our graduation rate was in the dumps. And teachers were getting out of there. They knew a bunch of work was coming for the teachers, and they were getting out of there just anywhere else they could go. And um, I sent out an email. I mean, so this was the first kind of Wednesday morning devotion. It would have never gotten started had it, had it not been for this. Um, I said, any teacher, you know, that calls himself a Christian or, you know, believes in God or whatever, meet in my room on Wednesday morning uh, at like 7.15 or something like that. And um, we had four teachers, including me, show up. And I read them, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from the wicked ways, seek my face. I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. And I said, guys, let's look at this just as, at, at our school. If my teachers here at Tomasi Salem will um, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from, heal, from, heal from heaven and I'll heal their schools. I will. So we just kind of looked at it like that. And we, we talked about our part. What's my part? My part is to teach every day with a good attitude as hard as I can. That, that's my job. Let's do our parts. They all agreed. We prayed. We prayed for our school. And, and we went to work. And, you know, that year changed a little bit. But everybody that was a new teacher stayed. We had like no turnover the next year. And that next year, man, we flourished. It was amazing. 
I had remembered that during that time when our school was uh, not doing well, I remembered sitting there one year, and I was thinking, I watched, you know, somebody like get the yearbook dedicated to them. I watched somebody be like coach of the year. Uh, I watched somebody be the teacher of the year. And, you know, I, I, for some reason, I, because I was so full of myself, I guess that I was like, you know, I've been here 10 years or whatever, and I've never gotten this award, and I've never gotten this, and I've never gotten that, you know, not even considering, like, well, there might be a reason for that. Um, but I said, you know what? I, because we had done this prayer, and we had prayed together, I said, Lord, I'm going Colossians 3.23 this. I'm going to work at this with all my heart like I'm working for you and not for men. And like 2009 was probably the most amazing year of my life. Our school was like completely turned around. We looked wonderful like we had just turned everything around. And, you know, sure enough, I go like to our athletic banquet. And, you know, they, they're up there. I'm like, the, the coach of the year, Adam Hopkins. And I was like, whoa, wow. You know, so it's like God gave it to me at a time when I didn't even need it. When I thought I wanted it, I, I, you know, I'm like, oh, I wish I could get that. And then when I'm just serving him and honoring him, I don't even need it. He's like, here, now you're the coach of the year. And I go, and the auditorium's full of everybody, and, you know, they're, they're pulling out the yearbooks, and they're like, this year's yearbook is dedicated to Adam Hopkins. And I was like, oh, wow. So I go down, and they dedicated the yearbook to me. And then to top it all off, uh, I was like, the, they, they were like, oh, our school teacher of the year, Adam Hopkins. And I'm like, wow, how many awards are there? You know, I'm getting them all this year. And, you know, through the teacher of the year thing, you, I went to the district office, and, uh, you know, they said I was like in the top 10 and then like I was in the final four and then we were all at this district thing and I watched them go through and they were handing out the awards and uh, I just noticed like that they skipped me and I was like, well, that just stinks. Can't believe they, you know, they skipped me. You know, so there it is again, you know. And then they're like going through these honor roll teachers. I'm like, oh, well, I must be an honor roll teacher, you know. It's so, an honor roll teacher and then they skipped me and I'm like... Oh. What in the world? Why? They skipped me again, you know? And then, like, when they went to the last one, my heart just sank. I bet I turned as wide as Tanya's. I said, I'm the district teacher of the year. And sure enough, man, they, they called me out, and, you know, and I was like, Lord, there, there's nothing else. I mean, you've, you've lifted me, and, and it's just like he spoke to me, like, you're doing it for me. You're doing it for the right reasons. You don't need any of this stuff anymore. I'm giving it all to you. And guys, after that, I don't need any of that stuff. And the reason I bring that up is because I continued to write those WMDs. And uh, there was kind of a spell where I didn't kind of feel like anybody was reading them and wouldn't make any difference. And, and God's just like, does it matter? You know, yes, you spend a couple hours a week writing these things and editing them and all that. But what are you going to do if you don't? Well, probably watch TV, go do something. You know, it's just this worldly stuff. You can't serve the stuff and God. And now I'm glad to get up whenever He asks me to. Um, you know, I had to learn this the hard way. He gave me a wonderful Wednesday devotion, morning devotion at like 2 in the morning. And so I was like, well, you know, when I get up, I'll write about that. And I got up, I couldn't, I couldn't remember it to save my life. To this day, I don't think I can remember it to save my life. But now, if he 
calls. It's like, yes, I'll go because it's from him. It'll be great and I'll write this. So he asked me, you know, Adam, would you, are you willing to do this just for one person? Will you do it for one? Will you do it if nobody reads it? He's like, Adam, look at Jeremiah in the Bible. How many people did he convert? Like, nobody. How many people listened to him? Nobody. Was he faithful to me? Yes. You think he wasn't blessed? Of course he was. So guys, I'm just learning. Yes, there's stuff out there, and yes, our eyes can be turned toward it, and we can, my eyes can be turned, and I hate that about it, guys, and in the moment, you never think about it, there's a reason it's called being deceived, when you're deceived, you don't know, and you need God to shine His light on that deception so you can see it for what it really is. And I picture myself, I know my eyes turn toward that stuff and I walk toward it. And it's like God, before I go all the way to the bottom of the pit, grabs me and says, no, that's not what I want for you. And I either have a choice to be obedient or not. And see, today we just talked about stuff, about money. What about when it's not stuff? What about when it's people? What about when it's your wife? What about when it's your, your kids? Do you love them more than God? And if you want to kind of read ahead, go ahead, read the story of Abraham. When he had to take his only son that he loved and put him on the altar and be willing to sacrifice him. No, it's not what God wanted, but he wanted that boy to be in his rightful place in Abraham's heart because he knew Abraham exalted that boy over him. He's like, his, he's not in his proper place, but I want to see if you're willing to put him in his proper place. And of course he didn't want him to kill him, but he didn't want him to have such a high place in his heart that he was disobedient or it took God's place because it was not on the same level. So I know that's a little different than what you're used to, but we'll finish this one up next to the altar of testing, part two, and I'm going to read from Genesis um, chapter 22. So let's pray, and then let's stand and sing one more time. Father God... Thank you so much, and uh, I know this is just a little different feel for me, Lord. I feel more like I'm teaching a class than preaching a sermon, but I just pray that you'll use these words, Lord. I pray that if anybody in here recognizes that they put stuff over you or even put stuff on an equal playing field as you, that you destroy it, Lord, that well, you do whatever you have to do to bring that person to a place where they see you for who you really are and they feel you growing inside them and they know that you not stuff, you, not anything that this world has to offer, you and your presence and your Holy Spirit and your Son are the most valuable things that this world has to offer. May we only chase after you and may we only have eyes for you and be willing to give up whatever it is that comes in competition, whether it be money, whether it be spouses, whether it be children, whether it be jobs, I don't, whatever it is, anything that comes in competition with you, may you always have your rightful place on the throne of our hearts. There's no one like you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.